Hello and welcome to A DM's Guide to Rhyme of the Frostmaid and I'm your host, Greggy, and uh, this week I have a guest. Uh, please welcome to the show, James. James, hi. Hello. How goes it? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, excited to talk to you about uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden here and D&D in general. I, I guess uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, <laughs> Uh, like, what is what is your history of playing Dungeons & Dragons? It, have you been playing a long time? The history of my playing. Well, as I approach my 50th birthday this Saturday, well, I began playing a game called Magic Realm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's a board game. Um, a friend of uh, my mom's at the time, he had uh, this board game, but he had added a bunch of terrain and trees and all this other intricacies, uh, all these other intricacies to it. And so that's the game, that was kind of my gateway uh, into D&D, and then through that I discovered D&D, and I think I started with two? AD&D? I started with AD&D, and um, that was a much different uh, vicious game uh, uh, with Thacko, <laughs> and um, the, the object was, uh, I always tell people and it blows their mind, the object was to have the lower the armor class the better, which many people are <laughs> uh, a little confused <laughs> by. Uh, but that's when I started. Um, I had two great friends, and it, but at that time it was a much. Uh, it wasn't the beloved game everyone gets to enjoy today, which is fine. I made it to a brighter, brighter pastures. But uh, back in my day, it was something you hid, and you definitely were not advertising that you played it. Um, and uh, there was a lot of stigmatism around it. And um, I had two really good friends. Like I said, we used to just um, spend whole weekends um, over at, at one of the two's house, and we would just go all night long. Um, I was the DM always, and I would DM for my two friends, and that's how I, I got started, basically. Wow, okay. Uh, so have you played, like, all the editions since then, since AD&D? So here's the thing. I moved quite a bit. So once I le- left there uh, shortly after high school, I didn't really have, it kind of closed down for me and I, I just re-emerged um, right as 5e um, had come to its fruition, right when it first had started and it was day and night. I, I basically came back, uh, there's a thing called the Adventurers League. So basically you can sign up through your local game store and you can um, you know just join a group. You don't need to know the people, you just basically, you know, for... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a membership, but a sign up. Basically, you just sign up and you create an account, and then you can go to your local game store and you can be in- put into a party with you know other strangers. And that was kind of a make it or break it for me because if I had have came back and you know how it's it's hard to find the right group, but the the thing that really worked for me right. is it was an there was an amazing dungeon master, and I don't know if you're familiar with Adventures League, but it's very it's very structured kind of it's it doesn't lend itself to to role playing so as as much as 5e itself does it's it's very it's it's it's, it's kind of railroady you're you you got this limited time and you you got to accomplish this thing so um, but i had this amazing dungeon master that just blew my mind and i was hooked i was in and i've been playing solid uh, since that started, and um, thankfully through another app, um, I was able uh, I was able to 
uh, meetup and kind of we kind of interviewed some I, I hooked up with another group actually and then through that I became actually the the, the person whose house the, the, the it became central and then added two more parts to that original group and I've been playing with the same group um, you know for going on three years now okay okay that's really cool yeah I'm like I'm familiar with the concept of Adventures League but I've never uh, taken part in it or anything but it sounds like it was really well for you yeah it did and I really recommend I mean I know that I, I was really frustrated I had tried Roll20 and it seemed like I don't know about now it's it's probably much easier now through the pandemic and everything going on with people you know a lot more open to new players but for me that was a really although Roll20 has a lot of great you know things about it it was really hard for me to link up with other players because it shows the amount of time that you've that you've law that you've played and when you're a, when you're a new person and you don't have any of those hours to show groups right. kind of don't want to take a chance on you so i found it really hard to to join a group on there and that's what led me to this other app it's called meetup where you can put in kind of what your likes or interests are you know if you're hiking or biking or whatever you like to do and so I basically just sought, I just sought a group on that and I was able to, you know, hook up with the group that I found. We've been playing ever since. Uh, now we're online, of course, and circle back around to Roll20, uh, which I, <laughs> we've all been using um, because obviously we, can, we haven't been able to meet in person for the last year. But that's, that's kept us going. Yeah, but that is really cool that, you know, even if you don't have a group necessarily, you can, you can use these tools to... To put a group together, even if, if you know if your friends aren't into D and D or whatever. No, it's amazing because I, I I mean I honestly don't. And it's it's I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to someone who's not into D and D about D and D. They're not quite as excited as you are about it. Yeah, that's true. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, which which is the case. I mean that's I mean it's kind of hard. And also it's 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 um, although people I won't say are as quite as hidden as they were back when I first began. It's still something you you kind of gotta kind of feel out with people because um, right. some people really aren't trying to still advertise that they play D and D. It's still kind of this hidden, you know, secret for some people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I think it, it's definitely a lot more popular than it's ever been. But on the other hand, all those stigmas that everybody heard about, you know, growing up and stuff, it's not like everybody forgot about those or anything. Like that's still uh, part of our culture, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. But um, but I mean, there's so many younger people that weren't even you know, <laughs> that don't know only because you know they were born like a couple decades later. <laughs> um, so some of them really, yeah, a lot of them don't know, and a lot of them just come into this you know thing like, oh, you know, this is great. Like it's so open, and you know, everyone's here. It's like. You know, it's kind of like, I guess, kind of the older generations are always going to have examples of this where, you know, a kind of back in my day kind of kind of <laughs> kind of thing where, you know, uh, uphill both ways in the snow and all that. And now uh, you also uh, play with kids, right? You play like through through the school. So correct. So um, basically about four years ago, um, I worked for a, I worked for a private school and, and about four years ago, we'd had a very long time director of summer programs she had decided that she was going to make some changes and she uh, went on and she you know got a new job and as a result um, we had a new younger summer programs director and he approached several people uh, basically you know kind of asking 
hey, do you have any, you know, I, if you've got, you know, ideas for classes, let me know because I'm, op- you know, I'm open to adding some new, uh, some new stuff. And about four years ago, as you know, was kind of the time when D&D was ramping up. It was, you know, a year in, I think, to 5e being released. And it was just at the beginning of it all starting to kind of, you know, become the snowball that it is right now. And um, so I basically said, how about Dungeons and Dragons? And he wasn't really familiar with Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, he'd heard of it. Uh, But he, I was just going on and on and on about, you know, you could, because we have a 3D, you know, printing studio. I said, there's so many different things, you know, I'm preaching to him about like, you could start with this class and then there could be a mini painting class and there could, you could print 3D models and, you know, minis and all these different types of the thing. And he's like, whoa, whoa, let's start with, let's start with just the class <laughs> and, and, you know, we'll see. But, you know, as he learned and he actually played and I, I, I actually, he wanted me to teach the class, but I could not teach the class because it, it happened the same time I was working. So what happened is, I ended up circle circle back around. I bring in my friend who I when I like I told you uh, I, when I joined Adventures League, he was my DM. I gave him a call and I was like, I have a perfect job for you. He's actually he's actually a math teacher himself, so he was you know already had all the background stuff. Everything was you know good there. Um, so he's been teaching this Dungeons Dragons class for the summer camp for the last four years. And it's been the most popular class. They have to turn people away. In <laughs> fact, they just added an additional class. So he works, most people work like maybe, you know, two classes a day. He literally, I think, works like like three or four wow. in, in, in a day just because it's that popular. Um, so it, it's, it was a phenomenal class. And so as a result of that, uh, fast forward again, four years later from when this started, uh, because of that popularity, the school um, uh, at the beginning of the school year started what's called an after-school enrichment program, uh-huh. and uh, a, one of those classes that they added uh, was a Dungeons and Dragons class. Well, actually, they added two. So I'm one of the teachers of that class, and then there's another longtime uh, faculty member that also teaches another class. So he teaches a the other um, gentleman teaches the fifth through seventh grade, and I teach seventh through ninth grade. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so much in Dungeons and Dragons and and these tabletop games that it's it's fun for the kids but at the same time like they are uh, they're really using their their minds a lot you know their creativity and and of course I mean uh, reading of course and and math and all these different things Uh, that that's really cool it's a really good idea and also just the just the social aspect I mean I I know that they're using it in uh, mental health now. I know in several countries. I think Canada was one of the first countries that that, that started util- utilizing Dungeons and Dragons uh, in in therapy for you know it, uh, a lot of these kids bringing a lot of these kids out of their shells and um, because it's 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 kind of a comfort zone because you're not you're not yourself. You're you're you can portray your feelings though through this character, mm-hmm. and I think that really helps a lot of kids. Uh, with their socialization, they come out of it, uh, you know, a lot more, uh, you know, with a lot more skill to to deal with people. You got to, you, I mean, of course, as a, a member of a party, you have to cooperate and and work as a team. So there's there's just so many aspects. I, I know I'm preaching to the choir talking to you about that, but um, so many benefits uh, of D and I mean, it's it's a great game, and and like I always tell, you know, I tell uh, the kids in my class, you know, you might you might come into this and not you know, like my particular style of Dungeons and Dragons, but don't let that turn you away from because 
if you find the right group, uh, and that's so important and difficult as you know, but if you find, especially if it's, you know, if you can get your friends or uh, hopefully they play, but if you can find the right group, I mean, it is such an amazing game. The fun and possibilities are pretty much endless. So do you find, uh, is there a big difference in, in DMing for uh, kids as, as opposed to DMing for adults? Uh, yes. So, uh, I mean, depending on who your friends are, if you're, if you're a kid, then no, but, um, for me, uh, for me, um, it was really hard. Um, I'm, um, I'm on my third semester right now. So like I said, it just, I just started doing it this year. So the first uh, semester uh, was really challenging for me. You know, although I do enjoy that they do, the kids do unexpected things, um, it was also the kids do unexpected things and things that kind of made me want to pull my hair out at first and I didn't understand like why they were doing all these crazy things and I was really trying to, you know, keep things on the rails and they were, you know, not only were they going off the rails, I don't even know where the rails went. Um, <laughs> it, and, uh, and I was really frustrated and I until I realized that, um, you know, these kids are having fun and fun is what D&D is about. Once I realized like, okay, you know, it's going to be different than my friends, obviously. I just go with it. I just go with what these kids are doing. I mean, regardless of how crazy it seems to me, um, they're having fun and that's what's important. And once I realized that, um, I've been having a blast the last two semesters with these kids. Um, really great time. So in that case, are you are you still are you still running like Rime of the Frost Maiden or, or officially released books or are you kind of like uh, improvising on the fly and, and seeing what happens or, or how how has that changed your DMing style? I feel like well I feel like um, I, I'm I'm really kind of I'm a little bit horrible with prep work and I really do rely on a lot of improv and so I guess. Uh, modules are not my favorite thing to run because even though they're kind of open, they're also kind of you need to accomplish specific things. So I am running Rhyme of the Frost Maiden for both the kids and my group currently. Um, but I always, I I mean, I guess everyone does, but I always add, you know, uh, my own flavor into it and I don't necessarily follow exactly what's going on. Right. But I try to I try to steer them. I well not steer them. That's a bad word. I try to <laughs> I try to keep things um, kind of uh, still so that still what's what's supposed to be kind of going on in the in the scene is happening. But I don't necessarily kind of stick to it. You know exactly. And I've heard. I you know in fact I uh, as I started running this I I was just like looking for inspiration and that's how I found your show. And then I was like oh. It's kind of cool listening to kind of things that you're doing and kind of changing or, you know, in, you know, improvising or, or, or doing. And it kind of gives me, you know, different kinds of ideas for things. Like one of the things, uh, I don't know um, if you remember Sefik, the, the hired assassin or the hired bodyguard, I should say. Right, yeah. The bodyguard that was uh, out there. So one of the things I did is I gave him an amulet that, so he, uh, he has an amulet of protection so that people cannot detect that he's actually undead. Oh, okay. Because here's the other thing. I don't know. I don't really suspect my friends, but more so, I don't know how much the kids look into 
the story or you know try to find out what's going on so for them i really try to you know twist things and it's interesting if you you can kind of see who is who has kind of read ahead or no or you know has read into it and you know because you kind of see their faces go hmm you know because uh for instance they did a uh you know one of them's like oh you should do you know detect evil you know or it was a paladin so he had the ability to you know detect undead and so he did that and i was like no everything appears you know normal and you kind of see their faces go oh yeah. And so I just like to do things like that because my reasoning for that is, you know, he's part of uh, Torga's caravan. They could have easily picked up, you know, that kind of amulet. And of course, Torga is going to want any kind of protection for her bodyguard she can because he's actually helping her right. to do some other, a lot of nefarious other stuff. Yeah, that's a cool idea for sure. Okay, so where, where I guess you've got two parties going, but... Uh... We could pick one or we could talk about both of them. Where are your parties right now in, in Rime of the Frostmaiden? So um, it's a little bit different dynamic for each. So for my for the younger, for the kids that I have, the problem with that class is that class is only an hour. Mm. So as you know, that is a very short time. Right. And right now in this session, um, it was a little more doable my first two sessions because I had five kids, but I have seven. Oh, What's the kind of cool thing about it is though I've got three of my kids that have continued through all three sessions. So I have so basically what I did is I I started rhyme. Uh, they've been going around the ten towns and now they're at the point where I need to pick kind of like a goal. So their goal is basically they're at the point where they're they're hunting with the for the white moose. Okay. And they just and they just discovered the white moose. And um, I, I kind of added a twist onto that to give it a little more. So White Moose, um, we have a druid in the party. So the White Moose was a, able to speak druid to the druid. And basically the White Moose said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm forced to do, you know, forced to do this. Um, Revision has my family and I don't have any choice about it. I, I know where, you know, I know where he is, but I'm a little nervous about bringing you there because I'm not sure you're strong enough to defeat him. And that's kind of where I'm at with that group. And my goal for them is to revision is going to be the big, the big bad, basically. So okay, because I only have you know, like I said, so much time. I basically have twelve sessions, and the first session I spend with the kids is making characters, and then so basically yeah. I have eleven hours to accomplish what I'm going to accomplish. Exactly. If you yeah. can imagine so you, you, with seven kids. <laughs> you really have to compact things, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have to kind of, and that's that was another one of my challenges is just try and figure out kind of making these, make it feel like, you know, they're accomplishing something, but at the same time, them having fun in, in the meantime. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 a little, it's, it's challenging. And also, like I said, with them doing the unexpected, it makes it that much more hard. And there's seven of them. So a lot right. of challenges in it, but um, the time goes very fast. The important thing with that class is, um, which is another part of, um, which will help them in other areas, is just being ready. Having your, think about what you're going to do and think about if what you're going to do is not there when it's your turn. Think about the second thing that you're going to do in case that's, that first thing you're going to do isn't available for you to do. So yeah. that's kind of how I have to set it up for the kids. Now for the for my friends, they're at uh, fourth level, so they've done um, they, the uh, plesiosaurus was their first encounter. Um, they were able to reason with him. Oh, okay, cool. They were able to reason well. So there's a difference. So they were able to reason with him. My the kids um, started uh, to attack him, 
But then I have these two kids, one of them is the druid. They're both very, anytime there's any kind of animal or, you know, non-humanoid, essentially, they are very caring and they want to protect the animal. On the other hand, they're the same two kids that want to eat people's toes. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, literally, it's kind of funny because originally when I had started the I had, because uh, originally I, I didn't play Rhyme of the Frostmaiden in the first uh, the first um, semester, but these these two kids were in my group and they had this thing about eating people's toes. I don't know what it, <laughs> why, but that stuck with them. So of course when Rhyme came up and they have the they have the uh, pirate who's the cannibal. Oh wow! Definitely, that's what your background is. Because then at least <laughs> th- there's a reason for you wanting to eat people's toes. <laughs> Good job. Good DMing there. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> way to way to involve their character backstory, you know, in the campaign. Yeah, because with well, that's what I'm saying. That's just one of those things I had to, you know, that was one of the things that drove me crazy because they were in my first class, and I was like, uh, I mean, there's only so many people's toes you can try to eat before <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I can do with that. So that's why it worked out so perfectly that that was one of the backstories. I was like, oh, okay, you guys were both on that ship. <laughs> <laughs> for sure but yeah that worked out great and my other group basically um they've they've reached fourth level they're kind of uh ready for you know the next step but the thing is um they they really have their heart set on going after Sephic. and so uh for better or worse i don't want to steer them away from what they're trying to do but they've uh-huh. basically been following after torga through like three different towns now you know, trying to trying to catch up, and they've just caught up uh, with the caravan in uh, Lonelywood. And basically, they well, the next town over from Lonelywood is uh, let me look at my map here. Well, they they follow them to Lonelywood, but then uh, let me see to the let me see I got my map here. Hold on, sorry. Follow them to Lonelywood, and then they oh, and then basically they uh, were moving out to Tourmaline because they didn't actually set up their caravan in uh lonelywood they basically got there at night their whole goal was just you know they'd been driving you know super far they're not gonna they did they weren't gonna set up there they were just there for lodging and then off the tourmaline so that's where we kind of left off there where now they're following but then i feel i they don't have any proof or knowledge they haven't been able to get sephic alone because they just caught up to him at the bar and they kind of you know were laying low kind of see what he was doing but all they saw him doing was you know drinking because it wasn't one of the three towns where he you know stalks after people so i guess it i guess uh, because i don't because i want them to get on with the next part i'm going to have to uh i think my idea is i'm going to have to make it so that he has a mark that fled to tourmaline um because that's the only way they're gonna ever get around to <laughs> exposing him and be able to get on with what they need to do yeah, so you're like uh, looking to move to like the chapter two stuff now. Yeah, we're right. They're right there. I mean, they've. Uh, okay. I think they've done. But see, the thing is, I, I like to bring up. I like like they're in. Um, what was it? Is where the the mines in Lonelywood or Tourmaline? Tourmaline is that where the mines are? Tourmaline. Yeah. Yeah. So see, I mentioned that, and they're like, "Ooh, we I'm like, "No, no, God." Like, don't go there. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, as long as they want. But the thing is, is like, as you know, I think once they, now that they're fourth level, any other things they do, they don't level up. They just, it's kind of stagnant now for them. I mean, not stagnant per se. I mean, they're still having fun and and role arcing, but 
it's just it's just uh, it doesn't it doesn't bring the bring the, the module forward story-wise I mean you could always uh, it'd be a, a more work but you could always like adjust the the combats and stuff like that to make it work so that they could do all the different quests they still want to do oh that's true um, in advance yeah uh, but I mean yeah chapter one and chapter two are sort of it, they seem to be sort of like amorphous a little bit like they bleed into each other a lot. Uh, especially if you're you're dropping clues for chapter two while they're still doing chapter one stuff. Okay, so I could yeah I'll figure out a way to mix in one of the, oh one of the fun things I'm doing is um I randomly rolled what my I did it myself so I randomly rolled what my characters th- their little backstories are and and I also rolled I forget how I did I think I I rolled a. Uh, a 20 side two times so you you if they got over if they got over if i got over 20 on the first one then i then they got two if i got under 20 then they got one so so two of my so there's it's a four person party so two of them have two and two of them have one so i think one has just the yeti one has the um the background uh what's the one where the they're like the secretly the king forget the name of that one Oh yeah, I, I, none of mine have that one, so okay. I, I don't remember it either. But yes, I do. I do remember. What and you're then one about. of them had, or one of them has that he's a spy, but also he's the one that um, uh, cheated on the favorite mistress of, you know, the king or something. So he's haunted by the. Uh, yes. Yep. And then one of them has uh, that he was the prisoner, and he also has the slot. Oh wow! So the fun part about that is um, what I've done—the story that I've done with him—that's been really part of the thing because he hasn't told the party that that's happening to him. Um, so every once in a while, um, and I know there's some some places I guess it's somewhere in the module where there it does um, affect, but I haven't ran into those yet. So I've made some of them my—I uh, made it happen twice so far. Where the cool thing about roll twenty that I do like—the um, one benefit. Um, is that you can talk to a single person so you can it basically click on the chat and only that person can hear right. you so in this case it works great um, so basically I um, you feel you know really bad chest pains so and then I'll click back to the group and then he'll you know act out what's what's going on but they, they still don't know what's what's happening and what I what I'm doing with his character is basically for him to try and figure out you know about it I've said that that only three towns have a library in the ten towns and he's already been to two of the libraries and in the second library he was able to find a book but it was about uh, a green and blue slots he wasn't able to find one about red slots and so basically <laughs> my thing is with only three libraries in the ten towns basically it's just like our libraries if you check out a book here you can still check it back in in another library and so he's made it to two of the three and um, he's uh, desperately uh, wanting to go to this third library and so his party's kind of like why do you want to go to the library so bad <laughs> and so it's kind of this fun little uh, little thing uh, and what I've what I've worked out with that is just to make just to make him sweat that much worse because it doesn't really say you kind of work out when or if the slot is coming and I want to give him you know the chance I, I have to figure out some kind of random thing I'm gonna I have to roll at some point because um, I want I do want there to be a chance that it could happen um, and even a little bit of a surprise for me but my kind of plan on that is I want him to get to the third library and then what I'm going to do is 
I have decided that there was an, another prisoner that they put a red slot in aside from himself because it states that you that he doesn't have any memory before the fact, right? If I don't know if you have somebody with that secret. Uh-huh. Um, and so what I'm going to do is he's going to get to the library and then the librarian's going to be like, you know, you're the second person that's asked for this book. This, you know, lady came, this lady came in like just two <laughs> days ago with a panic and said, you know, really need this book. So the book's not going to be there. And then somewhere I have to randomly decide he's going to, they're going to, the party's going to find her body, but her chest is going to be burst open, but, and, but the book's going to be there in the snow next to her. Wow. That's a really cool idea. Yes, especially if, if he hasn't told them about that yet. Well, not yet. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> they're definitely uh, a little worried about him wanting to go to the library when they're on the way to the tavern. Right. Yeah, I think I, I was wrong about the slot secret. I think it is uh, uh, very fun. I've been thinking about it more, and uh, I, I, when, when, I, when I went over the secrets to begin with, I, I thought uh, it was maybe a little too much, uh, like uh, the, the chances of betrayal for the party and, and making things go bad for them. Uh, was maybe a little too high, but uh, I, I was wrong. I think I think it's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's all I guess how you how you work it. I mean, any one of their secrets really could you know turn anybody against anybody. But no one has actually revealed uh, anything to anyone yet. I mean, that I love. Uh, they haven't revealed that they revealed to me at least <laughs> to to anyone. <laughs> so as far as I know, I, none of them know each other's secrets. Um, I, I've, I've had the uh, I've had the uh, s- uh, slept with the harem. Uh, girl, he sends a, uh, a stalker. Oh, the Pasha? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. So I've had that uh, whisper uh, threats and uh, appear a couple times for that character as well. Um, just keep him on his toes. And the thing is, <laughs> with my party, that makes it a little bit more challenging. It's like, my... I mean, my party like kind of sticks together quite a bit. They don't separate. They they've watched apparently a, a few scary movies in their time, <laughs> so they don't they don't really venture too far apart from each other. So that's that's been a challenge for me as far as trying to set some of those other things uh, into effect. They've been to a few of the different uh, towns so far. So have any of the the chapter one quests uh, stood out to you as being especially fun or, or fun to run? Yeah, I think uh, you know the initially uh, when the after they did the police source, they the, the Twingas were fun. I enjoyed I enjoyed running the Twingas, and I also enjoyed um, the um, the uh, what's her Nimsy Nimsy Huddle. I think her name was. And yeah, that's right. I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the, uh, that one as well with the with the white moose and. Um, I thought that was pretty fun. I thought it was, you know, cute how it was all set up, and I made a whole extra little, you know, part in her house of, you know, her, you know, says she has all those kids and and and, right. and stuff. So I, I thought I, I like some of the some of the softer moments that just kind of break up the the harshness of uh, of the adventure. Yeah. I, I I think it's I think those those things kind of. Um, really help it kind of brings a warmth to the story uh, in the frozen in the frozen uh lands but um i think like right. you said one of the things that's challenging for me is I-, I was kind of loosely following um kind of what it suggests in the book as far as when they're traveling um but it it makes it so difficult like you know as far as i was really challenging them with th- uh, you know getting their bearings and stuff because you know the visibility factor and you know all these things of them trying to get from point A to point B, 
but thankfully they have I think one of their one of their characters um, has some kind of um, thing that helps thankfully with uh, you know direction so I, I forget what his what it, he has some kind of feat or something or something in his background that helps him you know with direction so that that's helped them some but I, but I think like you I think you just said in one of your recent podcasts it gets a little daunting when you're like you know trying to get from one place to another and you have like x amount of encounters and then it's like it, it just becomes kind of kind of repetitive i think uh, some of these trips that they go on you could end up doing an entire session of just random encounters and that i don't think that's fun to run i don't i don't know if that would be fun to play so i'm kind of hand waving the travel Okay. Basically, at this point, I'll just go to them. Like, uh, I'll ask, like, what is something that happens this day of travel or whatever? And they'll, they'll, you know, have a conversation in character or something like that. And then maybe I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to our last session. But um, I, I planned like a, a, an encounter specifically to happen during travel. Uh, and, and we just did one, basically. But I mean, if you find that, that, you know, rolling on these tables and stuff is fun for you, I, I hate to say, you know, I think this is bad because I don't think it's necessarily bad. And I think it definitely has its place. And uh, you, you should do it at least to begin with to, to give the players, a, you know, more of a sense of scale. But eventually, you know, you've rolled that table so many times because this is a this is a big you know, this is a big book that has a lot of uh, different things for your players to do. And they don't you necessarily, they're not going to go the most uh, efficient route from place to place. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, and you just reminded me, I had a, I did have a really fun, one of the randoms, I, I when they were going for the White Moose, uh, the Banshee ended up being what uh, came about. And uh, she was no joke. She did one of the whales and she literally uh, knocked one of the party members uh, to zero. I forget what, you know, it's whatever her, yeah, whatever her wow. ability in one, in just one whale. If you're within 30 feet of her and you fail to save, you instantly go to zero hit points. And she, thankfully, the rest of the party, there, there yeah. was, I think, two of the four were within 30 feet, the other one saved. But, I mean, that's a fourth level character uh, and that's one one whale so i kind of i decided that i i'm building uh, they haven't got to revision and that whole thing but i'm deciding that um her her sarcophagus is going to be there as well and there's going to be something they can do to help release her i haven't decided how that's going to all work but but that was actually a really fun encounter because i really got into the you know i did the whole like shrieking whale and i I like i'm a real rp'er so i like to (laughs) do voices and characters and all that stuff is really fun in fact you know, to tell you the truth, when I I just uh, I just started you know DMing for you know my friends, my and it's two of the two of the four are DMs themselves that I've been playing, you know, that have been DMing for me, you know, these past years, and so mm-hmm. it's good on the one hand because you have all that knowledge, and if you're not sure about something, they're right there. But at the same time, it's a little daunting because you're like, I don't know, you know, I know enough, but I don't know. And I guess, I guess, uh, for me, that the you know first couple of sessions with my friends, I was really, I was like, "How's this going?" I'm calling, and they're like, "Dude, like you're doing great. Like don't, like don't, you know." But you have all this self doubt, you know, inside because you being being a character all this, you know, since I came back to five, I'm used to you know being the character. I'm not used to being the DM, and and it's like you never really know if people are having fun or 
I mean, you can see, you know, at some points, I guess you can see that they're having fun, but you don't really know, like, how you're doing, I guess. Right. And and they're your friends, so they're going to be nice to right. you and, and say nice things, even if, even if you're not doing a, a great right. job. But on the other hand, I mean, this is a game, and we're all here to have fun. They're there. They're trying to have fun. They, they want to have fun. I think, you know, everybody is setting everything up for success. Everybody is setting each other up for success here. And, uh, you know, I've kind of let the the the, uh, the homework segment go by the wayside. But I would say this week, your homework is, uh, not you, James, but everybody listening, uh, give yourself a break. Let the imposter sy- syndrome slide this week. Uh, don't immediately z- uh, apologize to your players for something that, you know, didn't go right to you, which they probably didn't even notice. Let, let, let yourself slide this week. I'm sure it's fine. And, I, and I'll just add to that. You know what? I, like I said, I initially, the first two times I was, I was, you know, individually calling my friends saying, hey, what is this? What it was good? What was bad? And they're like, you know, just really reassured me. And again, yeah, that's my friends. But at the same time, I know my friends good enough that they are going to say, you know, they are going to tell me because, you know, if things weren't. And after that point, you know what? Like you said, just you just go i mean unless specifically someone like you know talks to you and says hey you know this isn't going so well just assume it is and and just enjoy yourself and because um most likely they are having fun it is a a great game and it is your friends so i would i would uh, agree with greg just just go with it and uh, unless somebody says something uh, on the contrary um just believe that you are doing great yeah any of the uh the quests uh, or towns given you any trouble so far in DMing? See, I don't. I mean, I kind of, I kind of look at kind of okay. This is the size of this town, and and you know, I kind of look at the the basic kind of description. But I just, I just, um, they ask me to go some place specifically. I'll just be like, look, this town has, you know, it's, you know, some of these towns are smaller towns. Like they don't have a lot right. in the way of you know, uh, inns or taverns that might just be one two and, and this. So I would say no. I mean, the towns overall, they haven't got too crazy where they're trying to um, really explore the towns too much. They're kind of there for specific purposes. And so they don't, they haven't really gone out of their way for me to have to really, you know, bring more elaborate stuff a lot of times. So, so far, no. Yeah. How about yourself? My issue is anytime that I have to go like flipping around, I always like uh, feel like a failure, wow. uh, which is dumb because, you know, so, you know, so, so much of it is just in the book. I can't memorize all this stuff. But I, on the other hand, I also don't mind just making things up on the fly. The, the one thing that I've been, I've, I mean, if you've listened to the episodes, I've been talking about it. I've been railing on this and I, I think I have to stop talking about it because I think I've talked about it too much is just that transition from chapter two to chapter three. Uh, the Dwergar kind of came out of nowhere in my campaign. Uh, and and the, the reason was just that I hadn't read far enough ahead. So so that that's something that has given me a little bit of trouble, just uh, transitioning to chapter three. So, uh, yes, I have been listening to your show. And that is why when my uh, one of my characters, who is the spy, had uh, his contact... She uh, specifically mentioned the Duergar to him, so there you go. that has been planted early in at least one of my party members' heads. That that is a very real issue that is happening and problem. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> yep, exactly. Learn learn from my mistakes. That's the way. Well, no, to use this. Uh, I was, 
No, not, a, uh, not really. The stake is just, you know, uh, that's, I mean, uh, so I specifically, like I said, I, I, I just want to try and get all the ideas I can. I mean, I may not, I may not take all the ideas, but if mm-hmm. you're, if you're like, oh, you know, you specifically list as a problem, then I, because I have, I'm, a, my real problem also is I'm kind of staying in the, like, what's going on now. I'm not looking ahead going, yep. oh, what's happening later. And a lot of times these modules, like you said, they, they catch you with things where I, I, there's been a bunch of times where I can't give you specifics, but I've done something and then later I'll see, oh, this character is supposed to be doing this like here, but they did this, which is really contrary to what it is. And, and it's fine. It's just, um, you know, take, I would also recommend taking a lot of notes during your sessions because it always helps, especially uh, for me, I, uh, my group, we play, we play twice a month. So we play every, you know, two, we play uh, four hours, but it's every two weeks. And that's a long time between sessions when you're trying to go, uh, what happened? So I would really suggest, especially like you uh, pointed out before, write down names of characters that you create yeah. and or things that happen. I mean, just doesn't have to be a, a really detailed, just basically a little outline. And I do that as you go along when you're playing. Um, and oh, really important thing I learned, uh, a great DM tip. Don't feel like you need to keep on, like I'm doing right now, don't feel like you need to keep on talking and talking. <laughs> Let your players talk. Yeah. Because that's giving you all that time that you need to think about things. Look in the book. Look look up information of what's going to be going on. I had that problem in the beginning where I would just be like, oh, I feel like I need to keep saying something or doing something. Let your players talk because, yeah, they're going to work out things and they're, and they're RPing. Right. So it's, you know, they're, it's their character's development that you're letting happen. So don't, don't be afraid to be quiet as a DM. Yeah, you, you have to leave some space there for them to, like, have conversations with each other in character or, you know, puzzle out different things like uh, different mysteries that are uh, in the campaign and things like that. Yeah, you, you have to be uh, comfortable with letting some space lie. And it, it's really hard. I mean, it was that was something that was hard for me to do in the beginning. And I now I'm just like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I stopped asking them how I'm doing. I think the more you do it, I think the, the, you're never going to be completely comfortable. But I feel like the more you do it, the more comfortable you become. And you just kind of learn these little, little things. You know, every group's going to be kind of different. But if you play consistently with the same group, you're going to learn more and more you know or is this group heavy into you know fights are they more into rp you're going to kind of learn and and it may be not just your group maybe on an individual basis instead but that's where you can kind of fine-tune like your dming to suit their style so that everybody is enjoying like the aspect that they enjoy about the game you know you can you can listen uh to you know what they choose to do and what they choose to do to fill that that blank space to kind of tailor things uh, to be, you know, more fun for them so that you know that you're you're doing a good job. Yeah, for sure. Have you made any, like, big changes to the book so far? I don't feel like I've... I don't feel like... Well, I mean, I don't... If, if I have, it's probably because I... Like I said, I like to kind of go on the fly and I like to just kind of... Uh, I'll kind of look... I, I kind of look and see, kind of get an idea of where the story should kind of head. But I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily completely 100 go by that. But I don't, I don't think I've really changed overall anything. The interesting thing is the one character I have that it was the prisoner. He's kind of playing it like he can't, he's not from this plane. He's from a, 
he's playing it. I'm not sure what plane he's from, but he's he's playing it uh-huh. like he's he, so he at the same time as he's going with this party, he's learning kind of what customs are and from the rest of the party. So he's taking his social cues from them, which is interesting, especially because we have, I have a, one of my party members is a very interesting character who's really, he's a, he has like a sailor background and he's super brash and, and thankfully he doesn't copy his social cues. He's learned, he he was initially, and then he's learned from the other two that no, that's, it's not what you may want to do. Well, that's okay. I mean, you know, th- they put a lot of work into this book. There's no reason you have to change everything up all the time. I was just going to move on to the, la- the my last session, uh, and we'll also talk about yours as well. So the the episode where I talked about my previous last session just came out, so you wouldn't have heard about this. But when they got to Zardarok Sunblight's uh, fortress. Uh, rather than having him release the dragon immediately, I saved that for him to do once they got there. So it would seem a little less random, a little less uh, uh, coincidental, maybe. Right, because in the book, isn't in the book, it's written that it's already released by the time they get there, right? Right. It, he releases it like as they approach the fortress, which is you know it's just a, a coincidence that it happens to be at that time. Okay. Which I didn't love, so I, I thought I would. Uh, uh, hold on to that and give him a chance to do a big, you know, uh, <laughs> a big nemesis speech, you know, for releasing the dragon. Yeah, how did the speech? How the speech go? <laughs> it went well, except for uh, the the dragon stayed around too long, mm. and uh, the the my one fighter with the sentinel feet was able to lock it into place, and uh, yeah, he he eventually, or well, I mean, the character is a female, but. Uh, the, the player eventually killed the the dragon before it got away. Um, I was thinking about fudging it and and uh, you know have, giving it extra HP or something uh, until until one of these uh, you know reactions missed or whatever, so it could actually get away. But in the end, I, I thought you know they they've uh, they put together the tools to to solve this this problem. Uh, it, it would not be fair of me to uh, you know not give that to them. They didn't have any reason not to spend the time to go uh, loot everything in the, the treasury, and, and they're extremely rich now. My last session, uh, what I did was... So they, they have no reason really to rush back to the ten towns, um, but what I did was I, I prepared a, uh, a scenario for if they went over the mountains, um, or I also prepared a scenario uh, where they could go through the Underdark I said that there was a, a, a pathway from Sunblight to Kelvin's Cairn um, that they haven't used for many years because something uh, there's something along the way that is uh, killing anybody that tries to travel along this path. And uh, Lady Muscart uh, spoke to them and asked them if they would maybe want to go through this Underdark passageway and clear it out so that she could open up trade with uh, the Ten Towns more easily. Um, and, and they decided to go ahead and do that because it would be faster and, uh, you know, just uh, be able to uh, help this this lady out that just helped them uh, because she stopped the, the Dwergar from uh, killing them uh, after they killed the king, which they probably would have done otherwise. Yeah, like it's kind of hard when you're, yeah, like you say, when, you're, when your party does, like, really good things. I mean, although it, <laughs> it thwarts part of the storyline it's hard to not reward them or let them you know achieve it despite it you know meaning you're (laughs) you have to kind of 
they improvise later possibly or come up with a, kind of a different angle on what's going to happen now but yeah that's a that's a that's a hard choice as a dm to make and it was kind of my fault for trying to get fancy with uh you know him keeping the dragon and stuff uh but i i, I do stand by that i think that is a better way to run the the chapter but just maybe have the dragon be very single-minded about wanting to leave uh, the fortress if you decide to go that way. Or uh, maybe move uh, where the, the lever or whatever that uh, Zardarok pushes uh, to release it, move it away from where the dragon is. So if they go to attack uh, him, it'll be in a different spot and the dragon will be able to get away. Yeah, I may I may run it uh, similar, uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see when I get there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want to, you could, you could, I, I just didn't like the co- the coincidence aspect of it. It, it seemed uh, very, very, very strange to have written it that way. To yeah, me. and especially like, I mean, I don't really know, did they have control of this dragon, presumably? Or is this something they created and it's just unleashed upon the realm? I guess that would. Yeah, it's like a construct and it's programmed to go in a specific path through the, uh, the okay. 10 towns. And it, they've got like a, a battle map with a plan on it where the, the it's got a, like a little miniature dragon that moves on a track, which was a, actually a very cool aspect uh, of, of the, the book. Uh, my players really liked that. And it gave them, you know, a, a mystery to try to solve, to try to puzzle okay. out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been uh, on, a, on a smaller scale. That's been kind of, you know, my players are trying to figure out with Sephic because they know that, you know, they heard about the murders in the, you know, three towns and those towns only have the sacrifices, but they're still trying to like sort out how he does because he's a well-liked person. He's not, you know, he doesn't, the way it's written, he doesn't come off as a, you know, cold-hearted mm-hmm. killer. He, for all intents and purposes, he likes to, you know, he's very social and, you know, likes to drink and he, he doesn't come off as a, as a, as a harsh character really. So uh, they're still trying to wrap their heads around that, which, I feel like I've done too good of painting this picture where they really need to go after him because we've spent, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we've spent maybe the last, you know, three sessions going after Sephic town to town. <laughs> I don't know when to, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to cut that off, but I think I kind of have an idea now. But um, sometimes uh, things that you, you know, try, like you were just saying with the dragon, I mean, it's a similar thing what I'm doing where you you try to give your characters kind of uh, you know this rich kind of background on something and sometimes it it goes a lot farther than you like you said it becomes like session or in this case three sessions where you're doing something that you never intended to be that big of a you know big of a thing but you never know a direction players are going to go so you just you just go with it but but it sounds like uh it sounds like they're having fun it sounds like they're enjoying it no they're having fun that's the bottom line yeah well, cool. I think uh, I think we hit all my uh, all my bullet points here, James. Uh, it's been great talking to you, and great talking to you as well. Uh, do I are you, are you Greggy? Do I just call you Greggy? Yeah, yeah. You can just call me Greggy. That's fine. Okay. Well, excellent talking with you, Greggy. I hope that you gleaned some information or some some something out of uh, all the talking I was doing, and hopefully I didn't cut <laughs> you off uh, too much. I I am I, I can talk. <laughs> When I get going, I, I tend to ramble some, but hopefully you're able to um, uh, take out some uh, some parts of that that'll help you um, or help listeners 
uh, with their campaign if they're running this, or just or just any campaign in general, uh, with some ideas on uh, DMing or uh, the comfort factor, any of that. Hopefully, if that even helped a person, I'm happy that, and, uh, and I'm happy regardless. And thank you for inviting me in, onto the show. Yeah, thank you for coming, and uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>